My name is Victor Kubik, President of the United Church of God. Welcome to another episode of the Inside United podcast. We're here on location at the Feast of Tabernacles in Panama City Beach, Florida. And I have with me this evening three people who have carried a spiritual journey or who have been on a spiritual journey. One who I have known for more than 50 years, one who I have known somewhat less than that, and one who has just been baptized for less than two years. The first person I have with me is Gary Howe, and I've known Gary for more than 50 years, going back to Minneapolis 51 years ago, or just about that time. So, Gary, welcome to Inside United. And it's a wonderful pleasure just being here and talking to you and sharing the ideas that God inspires us with, and I appreciate it, and thank you very much. Gary, I'd like you to tell us about your spiritual journey. That's what we're really interested in, in how you have come to know what is guiding you, what is preparing you for eternity, and how this is important and what we can benefit from. Well, originally, God called me through my brother, Ron Howe, and this was in 1968. It's when we came into the church. I came into the church with a... Uh, my first wife and uh, two children and it was a wonderful event just to know God's church and be a part of the church and and being in the church the first thing they find out your abilities and one of mine was electronics and so I was responsible for the sound systems in the church and so in doing so uh, I kind of put my whole self into the the sound system in the church and really didn't gather the real knowledge and wisdom I should have done in the first time around. And then in doing so in 1973, um, there was difficulties in Minneapolis with the church. And uh, also I had difficulties in my job. I had a business, a contracting business, a remodeling, and they were going through a recession at the same time. So the lack of work was one thing that I really noticed. And so in doing so, then I had a family and I said, well, I started looking around, I need a job and went down to uh, Mankato, Minnesota, which is 90 miles south of, of uh, Minneapolis and found a job immediately down there and worked in this company which made electronic relays. And in doing so, then I was there and I was an applications engineer with them and exactly one year later the recession caught up to Mankato and guess what I was the uh, first one to be laid off because I was the last one to be hired <laughs> and then here we are now you know and I'm looking around for a job and what am I going to do now and so ended up looking in the paper figuring out well what do we do from here and where do we go and so I answered an ad with a sales ad, selling electron or maintenance components for fixing about anything, nuts and bolts and chemicals and all of this. And they hired me. And like I say, my wife then talked to the manager and kind of inspired him to say, well, he does need this job. And one thing about him, he does have tenacity and drive in an initiative to make things are done. And so in doing so, they gave me the job. And I came very, very successful at this. And I went from hardly anything to a wonderful salary. And we virtually 
remodeled our whole home with what we call uh, Curtis components because they supplied everything in our home that we needed because they had a, an advertising catalog. And from this, I just grew and grew in the church and I knew and understood that this is the true God's church. This is the way that, that God should be. And, but in turn here, I'm, I'm away from the church. I'm away from Minneapolis and didn't know what to do. And my wife didn't really enjoy the church that much anymore. So I wasn't getting support from her. And the next thing I knew I was drifting and it's a horrible thing to drift because your mind just starts giving up God, your thoughts, your feelings and all that. And next thing I knew, I was just outside of God's thoughts. And, and you know something? This is so interesting, Gary, because you know you talk about you know having been very excited about the church, and then you begin a process of drifting. And what's interesting to me in doing this interview is the fact that you have come back. So tell us more about how this, where this drifting led you to, and how it really turned, how things turned around. I found a business partner who was interested in inventing. And so we wanted to start an invention company together. And so this was in um, Mankato, Minnesota. And in doing so, this invention company started becoming quite successful. Well, we found out the only way we're really gonna become successful is we're gonna have to move back to Minneapolis. And so we moved back to Minneapolis, but then things started turning around and things were not successful and all of a sudden, we were looking around, you know, wondering how we we're going to support ourselves because people weren't coming to us. We didn't have the inventions that we thought we were going to be working with. And so next thing I found myself penniless out in the streets of Minneapolis and sitting on a park bench one night just wondering and talking. And all of a sudden, God came to me. And I said, God, what do we really do? How do we find you again? And so I thought... Well, I'm hungry, and so I need something to eat. So I went into a grocery store, and I had enough money to buy a can of soup. And I bought this can of soup, and I'm walking out of the grocery store. And up in Minnesota, being cold, they have an inside door and an outside door. And between the two doors, there was a wire rack with the plain truth. And I looked at the plain truth as I walked by it, and I said, hmm, the plain truth. And I had not seen the plain truth for... 11 and a half years. And so I said, well, that was interesting. And I started walking to the outside door. And it felt as if God had an angel that just put his hand on my shoulder and I stopped before I got to the door and I backed up. I backed up to this wire rack and looked at it again and kind of read a couple of the highlights of the articles. And then I said, well, that's interesting. And then I started walking towards the door again. And this hand seemed to hit me on the shoulder and I stopped. And I said, hmm, we better do something about this. So I backed up and picked that plain truth off the rack, walked outside the door and sat on a park bench. And I opened it up and it was as if God had opened my mind by those pages of that magazine. And I think like, wow, look at this. Look what's happening. Amazing. Look at this article. And I, I just started becoming inspired by the whole thing. And so I said, well, I wonder where their churches are now. And being in Minneapolis, we went to Minneapolis Church when we were there. 
before. And so I said, I wonder who the ministers are, and I wonder who's in charge here. Well, maybe I should just write the home office. So I wrote the home office a letter, and a few days later, here comes this letter. I open it up, and I read it, and he said, welcome to hear from you again. Very interested in hearing more from you, and so why don't you get together with me? And who signs it? Mr. Victor Kubik. And I said, wow, I know Mr. Kubik from before because he was interning in Minneapolis Church. And so I said, well, I don't know what I'm going to do now. And so I decided, well, I'll just wait. And so I waited for six months. But I knew where Mr. Kubik was because he gave us his address and phone number. And with my partner and I, we drove back and forth from his t hometown to Minneapolis every weekend. And as I was driving up to Minneapolis with his car, would go by the intersection that took me up to Mr. Kubik. And I would slow down and I'd look up that road and then I'd look up the highway and zip right up the highway. Nope, I'm not going that way yet. And this went on for a few weeks. Every time I drove by that intersection, I'd slow down. And then one time I said, okay, that's enough of this fooling around. Let's, let's be serious. So I drove up the road and I sat in a restaurant for a few hours and drank coffee and fought with myself, deciding should we or should we not make that phone call? And so finally got up to Gumption's, made the phone call, and all of a sudden it was his wife, Bev, that answers the phone. And he said, oh, Mr. Kubik is out running, but let me run and find him. You come by in a half an hour, and I'll have him home here. And so I waited for a half an hour, and I drove up there, and I timidly knocked on the door, and then all of a sudden this door opens about four inches, and I see this eyes looking through this crack, and he says, uh-huh, I knew you were who I thought you were. And I said, oh boy, really? And he said, yes, I've been talking to your brother. And he said, you were interested in coming back. And he says, come on in. And we sat there and talked for an hour or two. And Mr. Kubik looked over at me and said, what do you want to do? And I said, I want to come back to church. Now that you tell this story, it's all coming back to me. I mean, I see where I was. I, I see where I had heard that. And your wife, you said my wife was going to find me running. Well, that's a long, long time ago. I, I haven't gone running in a long time. And that was just wonder. You know, it's amazing to hear this story because when people lose interest in some of the most important things in life, it's very hard to find a turnaround. And even when I kind of knew who you were, you know, people make false starts even coming back. And uh, I, I, when I met you, when I kind of met you again, uh, and, and it was through your brother because I had talked to him to, to see, you know, what, what was what, you know, with you. It was just a very joyous experience of reconnecting again. And it's, it's proven now from about 1985 or six or, or about that time or so to here we are in 2022, here you are. And here I am. <laughs> but that journey took me into the church because I was invited in. I drove up to this elementary school, sat there in a parking lot and fought with myself until the last person walked through the door. And then I walked up to the door and this gentleman, the door greeter there, 
turns around and it was one of my closest friends in church and he and I stood there and threw our arms around each other and cried because it was such a joyous moment and he opened the door and all of a sudden it was a sea of hands that comes rushing towards me to greet me because Mr. Kubik had told him that I was coming that Sabbath because during a Bible study and during the week and so I was gathered inside and, gre- and greeted and I went in and sat down in the auditorium seat and I looked around it was just like the whole 11 and a half years hadn't even transpired. Like I was right back home again, right back exactly where I left off. And I looked down and all of a sudden here's the speakers that my sound crew and I had built. And here's a sound console sitting on the side over there that we had constructed. And also a cabinet maker and I had constructed a podium. And here's the podium up in front that had automatic elevation to it. And so... Was, was that you with the automatic elevation? Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. That was me. <laughs> and so it, it was just it was just wonderful. And... and Afterwards, when we talked to Mr. Kubik, and he says, come here, I want you to meet somebody. Went over there and met another fellow. And we had both been out about the same time of the church. And he said, you two are the only two that have come back in 11 and a half years. And I thought, how amazing. You know, and from there, I grew and grew into the church. And it became more and more exciting as I learned about everything. But... Here again, meeting Dagmar in my life, that's what I needed, was a wife who would love me and help me, help me grow spiritually, and, and she is extremely close into the God in the church. And i just so thankful for my life and just thankful to God. But from all that, we sure appreciate just being a part of the church. Well, Gary, you know, this is just an absolutely wonderful story. In fact, uh, right now I'm kind of hearing for the first time the other side of things, you know, from, you know, when I was pastor in Minneapolis and, you know, we welcomed you back. And it just illustrates so many things biblically about how pretty much people aren't interested in spiritual things, in the most important things, and that when Jesus Christ returns to the earth, will he find faith on the earth? And and uh, the implied answer is no, not much. Not, not until there's another time of uh, really open reformation when, when he returns and people's hearts are ready in which God will prepare for that. But I'm just so grateful that you are a part of us at this time. And you said just in 11 years, a couple, only a couple of people returned. Uh, you know, it is truly wonderful to have you be part of the family again. By the way, we did a story about Gary Howe in the United News, where we spotlight members and their lives. And this is in the March-April edition of the United News, March-April 2021 uh, edition of United News. You can find it easily if you go to the ucg.org website. Just in the search box, type in Gary Howe, G-A-R-Y, and the last name H-O-W-E. And now I'd like to turn my attention to Gary Howe's wife, Dagmar. And I have found her to be a fascinating person 
One thing I found very interesting about her is her name, Dagmar. You know, it's so Minnesota, <laughs> you know, it is so Scandinavian. Now, one thing about Dagmar, she has written a book that my wife and I have really appreciated. My wife read every single word of it. It's called Whatever Happened to Dagmar. And a couple things about this book. You know, people write autobiographies and they kind of go from one thing to another, but this one really had you gripped in reading it. Plus some of the artwork on the cover is just uh, very, very special. We have really enjoyed this book. We were glad to write a commentary on it. The name of the book is Whatever Happened to Dagmar, and it's available at Amazon. But welcome, Dagmar. Glad to have you here. Thank you, Mr. Kubik. I appreciate being here. Um, what brought me into the church is when I was married to my first husband, he was interested in the church, and he'd heard about the church on Guam. He heard Mr. Armstrong when he was stationed on Guam before I even met him. But once he came back to the United States, um, then he um, and, I, and we met, then we got married. And so he was telling me one day to listen to this broadcast that he'd been listening to at lunchtime. So I did, and immediately I felt a connection because my mother has uh, taught me much about the church, I w about church, and I was at, in the Seventh-day Adventist church in my childhood, in my teenage years, and then um, I knew a little bit about the Sabbath, and I knew a lot about the Bible because my mother taught me, and so um, once I heard Mr. Armstrong, I felt a connection. I felt, boy, this is, this is, there's something to this, and so Eventually, we did come into the church. We were, my husband and I were both baptized together. But the struggle didn't begin until a few years later when he started drinking too much and he didn't really want to stay in the church. And I really wanted to stay in the church because I was beginning to really appreciate what the church was teaching. I wanted to learn more. And so we had our differences, but the marriage lasted for over 13 years. We have two children. And um, so I continued. I wanted to continue. It was very difficult after he left the church, and then he really didn't want me anymore because I wanted to continue to keep the Sabbath and the holy days. And so that's exactly what I did. And it was a difficult. I was single for a long time, a single mom. But then God was there every moment of the way. And he provided a job. And I was able to earn a living. And my ex-husband had said that I probably would have trouble getting a job because I would want to, you know, keep the Sabbath and nobody was going to hire me where, you know, where I didn't have to work the Sabbath. But that really wasn't true because God was on my side and I got a job where I didn't have to work on the Sabbath. And over the years, since I've um, been in the church and I've had different jobs, every single one of those jobs, I never had to work on the Sabbath because I told them right up front I would not work Friday night or Saturday. So God accommodated me and gave me good jobs. And I've never been fired from a job. So God was on my side, <laughs> which I really appreciated. He has really lifted me up. There was a point in my life when I was very down. I just felt very worthless because um, the condition I was facing with alcoholism and uh, control and things of that nature in the marriage. But um, once I was away from that, God lifted me up. 
and he gave me abilities that I didn't even know I had. I wanted so much to become an artist, which I became, and I wanted to be a writer, and so God saw to it that I had the opportunity. And then when I met Gary in uh, 1986, and we were married in 1988, he inspired me, and he always encouraged me. That's the thing about Gary, he's an encourager. And he always encouraged me to continue with the writing and the art. And so that's who I've become today because God has blessed me. And I am so happy to be in United Church of God for 51 years. And I don't ever want to go anywhere else because I love this church. This is the truth. And I, there's no place else you can go once you have the truth. Uh, and God knows that I love this church. I love what it teaches. I love the Feast of Tabernacles. And this year, we're celebrating with one of our friends who is a newly baptized member. And I'm so thankful that we can inspire Carol to be here with us this year. Dagmar, this has been wonderful hearing such a frank and open uh, discussion about your life and and uh, sh sharing some of the difficulties that you've gone through and the triumph over the s situations that have been, you know, in the past, making a new life and you know, moving forward. Thank you so much for sharing this with us. Well, you're so welcome. I, I, I hope others are inspired, and I hope if uh, uh, any women find themselves in difficult situations, they should know that God is definitely on their side and that their struggle can, they can overcome their struggle with God's help. Dagmar, what inspired you to write your autobiography, Whatever Happened to Dagmar? Well, first of all, I had a minister back in the 1970s and early 80s, and his name was Bob Jones, and he um, had a spokesman club, which was for the man to grow, and he always was telling the men that they should write their autobiography, and then he sometimes told the whole congregation that he thought people should write their autobiography, so that's where it started, the idea. Later on, I felt like I had to write it because of my struggle with my ex-husband and, and my children and being a single mother. There, when, you have, when you live with an alcoholic and the control, there's times when um, they want to control the children too and, and he knew that the marriage was gonna fall apart and so the children were more or less manipulated to seeing his viewpoint and my viewpoint was not considered. So I felt like I needed to write the story for my children so they would understand. It was a little uh, intimidating and uh, scary because I thought, well, if I write this and my children read it, they're either gonna hate me or they're going to love me. And I took that chance after I wrote the book and it was a rough copy, I sent one to each of my children. My son read it, and he came back with the feedback that he thought that I should get the story published, which I had no, I, no intention of getting it published. But my son supported that, and he said, Mom, you need to get this published. So that set this, the seed in me that maybe 
maybe it was good enough to publish. And so my daughter read it too, but she was very much in love with her dad, which is only right that my children should love their dad. I taught them to love their dad, even though he had those issues with alcohol. And so to this day, you know, both my children love their dad and Julie especially, my daughter, she especially loves her dad. And so it's just now, because her dad has passed away now, it's just now that we get to connect in a really deeper relationship and the story has helped too, so. Okay, one thing we talked about today also was about uh, your parents and your upbringing Mm -hmm. because oftentimes, uh, well, we we are what we are, from the foundation that we have with mom and dad, you know, the way that they treated us well or not well, and that sets the pattern for not only what we are, but also how we pass that on to um, our children. But what lessons from your parents or upbringing are still part of your personality and your persona? Well, I had good parents, and they, my mom and dad came through World War II in Europe, and of course the Russians were uh, coming into Potsdam where they were, and they had to flee out of there, and of course, you know, the Germans were in uprising, and it's very difficult for them, but one lesson my mother taught me that I always will not it's a Bible lesson, actually. When she was in Potsdam and the war was going on and the, and the Russians were coming, she actually um, was fairly new, newly married, although she had one son. Uh, she already had one son after her wedding. But anyway, um, so she had a 1,000 Deutschmark saved from her dad had given it to her when she got married. So she had this 1,000 Deutschmark, and... She had it hidden, and so a neighbor was needing something and asked if she could borrow some money from my mother, and my mother would not give it to her because she knew the war was on, and she knew she needed that money, so she didn't give it to her. The Russians came in there and stole her whole uh, her whole valuable 1,000 Deutschmark shortly after that. And so she told me, she said, you know, if you have it in your hand to do good, if you have something in your hand and you you should go ahead and give it to the person or give part of it to them that way you help them and you because look at what i got nothing the, the russians stole it if i would have given it to my neighbor or part of it i could probably have gotten it back and that's in the bible if it's in your hand to do good do good to help somebody that lesson stuck with me from my mother the other lesson is loyalty. My dad was a very loyal man. He was very humble. He always used to say, I'm just a poor Dutch Dutch boy or poor Dutch man. And he was very humble. But he was loyal to my mother, and he was loyal to the fam, our family because he always loyally earned a living as uh, he didn't he wasn't rich ever but he always brought the money home he was always loyal to his family of being there earning a living so the loyalty is very important to me and I think that's part of why I'm in the church for so long and so um what I learned was that uh Loyalty is like an investment into your future. And like when you, you're loyal to the church and you're loyal to a friendship, uh, loyalty is an investment into relationships. I think God, you know, God is loyal to us. He's investing in relationships. Well, that's kind of the way I feel 
with being loyal. I've been loyal to both of my husbands, and I'm loyal to the church. And loyalty is a Dutch trait. Many artists in Holland will paint a dog in their pictures, and it's a symbol of loyalty. And so I guess maybe it's in me because I'm Dutch, part Dutch, and so loyalty is important to me. Well, that's been good to hear your story and your impressions. In fact, doing this podcast with both of you has been very, very enriching to me, and I'm sure it will be enriching to those who will be hearing this. So thank you very much for talking to us, Dagmar. Oh, you're quite welcome. I hope others are inspired because um, I hope others will want to stay in this church forever because it's, it's the best thing that ever happened to me. Well, a lot of times when things don't go right it's not God's fault <laughs> you know, it's, it's our inability to do the things that he tells us to and sometimes they're not that hard it's a matter of choice and, and will so both of you have really had a very inspiring story and every time I see you whether it's the Feast of Tabernacles or we had the public appearance campaigns there in Clearwater and in, in uh, Tampa uh, I remember you were manning one of the desks there and handing out uh, registration forms or whatever it was and you know it's just been great to see you functioning in the church. Now we are here talking to Carol Henricus. In contrast to Gary and Dagmar Howe, who have been in the church for more than 50 years, Carol has been in the church, in the United Church of God, for less than two years. But she is a very good friend of the Howes, who have been helpful to her, and she's been an inspiration to them and, and to me as well. And uh, Carol, uh, where are you from? I'm basically from Jamaica, but I attend the St. Petersburg Church. How have you come across the United Church of God, and, and what attracted you to it? Well, my husband died in Wales in 2015, and I came to America in 2015, June, and um, in 2019, I went online. You know, I'm a widow, so I went online trying to uh, dating, and I met this person online, and he saw my profile that I was a Seventh-day Adventist, and he told me that he's a United Church of God member, and I asked him what's the difference, and he told me that they, he used to be a, a Seventh-day Adventist, but there are we are supposed to keep the feast. I asked him, what feast are you talking about? And he told me to read it in Leviticus um, 20, 23. So I started reading it and he gave me the pastor's phone number and address for the church in St. Pete. And so I went there. And when I, when I opened the door, I saw all these people, they were, the church hadn't started yet. And then there was uh, Dagmar and Cheryl and Magda, they came up and they greeted me and invited me and encouraged me to come in because 
you know, I saw this crowd and I was a little bit fearful. And I started out. I started going there from 2019. And I started keeping the feast because I, I, when I read it and I realized that God said it, I said, well, I have to obey God. I got to do what God says. So I started there and I ever since and Dagmar had been very friendly to me. She's been very nice to me and there were some others. And so from then on, I am in the United Church of God. I know it's been wonderful here at the Feast of Tabernacles because it kind of consolidates our relationships and bonds us together to where hopefully these relationships will last in eternity you know, and, and be for a long, long time. So it's been very, very good to hear about your background and about your coming to the United Church of God and to come to understand these things and, and be baptized you know, in the United Church of God. So th thank you so much for your story. Thank you, sir. Well, thank you very much, everyone, for listening to this podcast. We're hopeful that you've been enriched by these stories, these biographies of members of the United Church of God and the journey can be very long. It has ups and downs as we have heard, but staying faithful is also very important and really hardens us and makes us very, very strong. And also the story of Carol Henriquez, who is new in, in the faith to understand the things that she does. So thank you for joining us here. Please tell your friends about the Inside United podcast. If you would like to write to us, you can write to us at podcast at ucg.org, podcast at ucg.org. We produce these podcasts weekly. You can get us through the ucg.org website on the podcast button on the main menu line. So thank you for joining us here today. Come back soon for more. This is a production of the United Church of God. For more, visit ucg.org. Thank you.